This is Just the Right Book, and I'm Roxanne Cody of R.J. Julia Booksellers. Each week, I hope to bring to you the stories behind the books, talking with some of the very best contemporary nonfiction authors, the conversations you want to hear about the books you need to read. So this is a Just the Right Books annual holiday book-giving suggestion list, and that could include buying gifts for yourself, of course. Um, I know it'll be a surprise to you, but here at R.J. Julia's, we think um, that really the best book you can give anybody, any gift, the best gift you can give anybody uh, is a book. So if somebody's asking for a diamond ring, get them a book. If they're asking for a car, get them a book. Um, and so to make sure that you have plenty of ideas, uh, I am joined today by Andrew Brennan, who is the head book buyer here at RJ Julia's, and joined by Lori Fazio, who's the chief operating officer here at RJ Julia's. So between or among the three of us, I think we'll have plenty of ideas for every reader on your list, whether they're really a, almost a non-reader or they're a voracious reader. So with that, I want to get started right away. We'll start with you, Andrew. All right. Well, we're going to start with baseball because I know that's your favorite. Thing My favorite. Rocks in. Um, that's a, that includes like a ball and a bat. Yeah, well, what, well, we're going to have comic books next. So so we'll start with baseball. Okay. And, and, and we'll work our way to okay, comic Okay, good. Books. Perfect. Um, this is called uh, The Baseball 100. Um, it's by Joe Posnanski. I mean, over my lifetime as a baseball fan, I've seen a lot of top 100 lists of baseball players. Um, every fan loves to see these big lists of players, right? The amazing thing about this book is the historical context that it really puts these, these players in. Yes, you're going to get lots and lots of stats and you know stories to back up why they were chosen for their specific positions, but what you're really getting is kind of a picture of the era to help place them in it. You know, I, I, since I was a little kid, I'm a big Yankee fan and I've had, I've had an obsession with Lou Gehrig since I was a little kid. I was excited to read the section. Very little of it was about baseball. It was honestly about the way that the media and the Yankees treated him when, during his illness, you know, Mm. it was a brand new thing back then. No one knew the right thing to do. Um, they accused him of bringing polio to the team. They did all sorts of horrible things. Mm. Um, but um, but this book, it, it it it's the best top 100 list I've ever seen because of the amount of research that went into it. It's not just about baseball. You really get a sense of the time, the city, and the place of you know when these players were or were at their height. This is perfect for a 12 year old. This is perfect for a 100 year old. Um, it's readable in bits and pieces. I still haven't made my way all the way through it. It's a book I pick up, like usually when I'm like eating lunch or if I'm having dinner, I'll read a few of the, of the profiles. I can't get enough of it. It's, it's the best sports book of the year. If you ask me. Whoa. Would it make me like, no, (laughs) (laughs) but you, but you might like the book. There's a lot of people in but my they, life yeah, but who you love, would, you who would, love sport. You would appreciate the book. It's not going to make you watch baseball. Okay. But. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Lore. I'm going to start with a little bit easier, um, which can be a family gift or an individual gift. It's New England 50 Hikes with Kids by Wendy Gorman. And um, I've done a lot of hiking in the last 
you know, almost two years now, as I think everybody has. Um, and even this book, so it's New England, and it gives a lot of different places. I've done, you know, I've been here, Vermont, and there's still some things in here that I think are interesting that I'm going to check out. Hmm. Um, it breaks it down by the state. It breaks it down by the difficulty of the of the hiking. So you can give it to a younger child, and if they're interested in hiking, they can actually plan out where they want to go and, and take you along. So you can give it to a child and give it to a family, you know, a parent and child sort of thing. Oh, that's a cute idea. Like your kid could tell you where they want to exactly, go. Exactly. Exactly. And it, and it, you know, it tells you some of the things that you should, you know, bring with you. It tells you what you're going to encounter, what you want to see. And so I actually, you know, think it's, it's a lot of fun to, you know, go into a kid's book because I've done a lot of adult hiking, but why not check out a few easier ones? And, and is it that they're, Easier hikes? Not necessarily. It's they're, just they're amenable to a kid's yeah. level. And they, and they will tell you like what's difficult about it, how long it is, how steep it is, what kind of um, you know land you're going to be walking on. So it, you know you can pick and choose. If there's something that's you got a really little one and you want to get them started, you may not want to pick the most difficult one. But if you're old and lazy like me and you want to go on a hike, that might be this perfect. Is perfect. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, so I want to um, talk about a book whose title is Zori, Z-O-R-R-I-E, by Laird Hunt. And I know this sounds kind of ridiculous, but I came across it by accident. I was reading something in, um, something like in The Guardian or something, and I picked it up, and I literally read it overnight. And Zori is what I would call a quiet story. It's about an ordinary woman's life, and it is for the fans of Marilyn Robinson. Um, it is uh, Olive Kittredge-like. And Laird Hunt has a poetic way of telling a story. And it, I, I was just very... Um, mesmerized by his writing and by how ordinary lives and understanding them is so important um, for all of us in having compassion for what we or anyone else is going through. So the book is Zori by Laird Hunt. I could, I, I, I'm, I'm in love with this book. Andrew. All right. Comic Onto books. the cartoons. Yes, yes. <laughs> so this is a book called All of the Marvels. It is by Douglas Wolk, who has written some previous books on, um, on comic books as well. Now, Marvel Comics is the longest-running continuous narrative in human history. All right? This story has been going since the 1950s. We're talking about superheroes, right? Um, it is... Comic books are as comic books and their characters are as popular now as they've ever been. Douglas Wolk went through all 27,000 superhero comics in the history of Marvel. He read all of them, all of them to write this book. Now, he doesn't recommend that you go out and do that, and that's why he wrote this book. Um, but it, this is really great because it, it covers the most important characters, the most important runs of books, the most important artists and writers. And it's like, like Baseball 100, it's a great book to jump around in. 
if you see something in particular, if you want to read about the X-Men or the Fantastic Four or what happened in the 1990s, you could jump right to those sections and, and not worry about it at all, uh, not worry about missing anything. You could pick up this book. It is designed for people that, that don't necessarily know anything about comic books. You know, so it is I'd very be in much. That category. It is. It is like much. It is like baseball 100 in that it's written for both the super fan and someone who is only casually mm. interested in it. Um, it's kind of the, the, this book is kind of the work of a lifetime for him. It's getting great he a good writers. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it, it it's great. I, I'm going to be reading this book forever. Wow. You're going to be busy. You're reading both those books all the time. (laughs) Uh, We'll be right back with our holiday book show right after a word from our sponsor. Well, you mentioned Elizabeth Strout, so I'm going to go right to one of my favorite authors, um, oh, William is her newest book. Yeah. And I know you read it as well. And so Elizabeth Strout, I think what I love about her is that she will all of a sudden bring a character in that you might have read about in an, in an older book of hers. And all of a sudden they're there and they may have an important role and they may not. And so when this one, when she brought in, there was a standalone book, The Burgess Boys. And when she brought in one of the wives. I know, that cracked me up. I was blown away. And she does it with brilliance. I mean, really, you know, I love all of her books. Um, o. William is about Lucy Barton. And, you know, she's a character from My Name is Lucy Barton. She was also in, you know, one of the other books that was seemed like a short story book. And, but Lucy Barton, um, her ex-husband is William. And he finds out a piece of information about his life and asks her to go you know, on a little, you know, adventure to go figure it out. And so she says, why not? And they go on this, you know, this trip to figure out and find this person in his life. And along the way, you can feel it coming by the time she says, oh, William, you're saying it with her. You're saying, Mm. oh, William. Or, you know, there are moments where he has an enlightened, enlightened moment and you're like, oh, William, you know, and you really feel it with her. And so I just, for, it's, it's a novel um, so for the reader in your life that just wants to pick up a really good book that's well-written, maybe if they haven't read her before, you should get several of her books because I love all of them. But O. William by Elizabeth Strout is one of my favorite books of the year. So, Laura, let me ask you a question because I was talking to a friend uh, who read it also. So O. William struck me as a book that an older reader might like because it has an element of reflecting mm-hmm. on life. Do you think a younger reader would be as attached to it as you and I are? Not that you're old, but yeah, I was just saying, I where am. are we going with that? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I do, because I think her writing is good enough that they will feel the Empathy is not the right word, but they'll feel what's going on and understand it. They may not have been through it, but I do think that mm-hmm. a younger writer, a younger reader will still enjoy it. All right, good. Yeah. Good. Um, well, I had the pleasure um, about a month or so ago of interviewing Sarah Rule, uh, who wrote a book called Smile, the Story of a Face. And 
I have been a Sarah Rule fan. She's a playwright. Um, she's been mentored by Paula Vogel, who I also think is brilliant. And they have this sort of, they, they both possess, and Sarah does, this kind of witty, sardonic look at life. So this book is a nonfiction book, and Sarah Rule, uh, after delivering twins, developed uh, Bell's palsy, which is kind of a paralysis on the side of your face. And it is sometimes the um, um, result of a delivery, but often it's fleeting. But in Sarah Rule's case, it wasn't fleeting. And so she tells the story of becoming a new mom, of being a playwright, of Bell's palsy in a way that is funny. She is really, really funny. But also about this whole idea of the importance of how you look. So her smile was kind of non-existent and crooked, and, but she was very self-conscious. And it made her think about beauty, but more about how how does how we think we look impact how we act? You know, mm -hmm. so think about the little, think about the example that when you're with someone who thinks you're beautiful and wonderful, you're somehow more beautiful and more wonderful than you might have been before. Well, the inverse could happen, mm -hmm. right? That if you're feeling like people can't read you, that you're, it's going to impact how you behave. But the second part uh, of that is, the, the other part of her conversation is how smiling is what people expect from women, Yes. right? So if you're not smiling, like you're not being a good girl if you're not smiling. So Sarah takes up all these topics of her, her the way in which she evolved dealing with Bell's palsy and what she did to try to get better, how it impacted how she behaved, how it impacted how she thought of herself or how it it made others think about her. And then it's also this great story of her becoming a mom. So smile, the story of a face, you know who I think it's good for? Anybody. Mm. You know, because um, Sarah Rule has a way of telling a story, even her own story, in a way that you just want to hear about so and 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 as a side note Sarah was on her way back from Providence um, to get home to do this podcast interview and didn't her car broke down her tire her tire went flat she and I did this interview with her on the side of the road and classic Sarah rule she was like oh it's fine whatever and there she is in her car you know zooming um, and and doing this podcast, it was it was a perfect way to interview Sarah Rule. <laughs> Andrew, all right, I'm going to talk about Bewilderment by uh, Richard Powers. Um, this is uh, he um, he's been a noted writer for a long time. His last book, Overstory, really broke through and was kind of a massive success um, across the uh, across the country. He won the Pulitzer Prize for that. Um, this is uh, a smaller novel. Um, simply put, it's the best novel I've read in years. Wow. Um, it is about um, a recently widowed father and his nine-year-old son. The son is having some 
issues at school. Some, uh, it's hard to tell if maybe he has Asperger's or maybe he's a child prodigy. It's very hard to tell, but he's not doing well socially at school. Um, his mother had only died about a year before. Um, like her, the, the, the boy is an ardent environmentalist. Um, he is constantly racked by, you know, why, why, why humanity seems to be bent on destroying the earth, right, as quickly as it possibly can. And this is a nine-year-old. Um, yes, yes. Um, his mother was a, was a, a, a real activist. Um, the, the father and son watch her, like, testifying in front of Congress and stuff uh, a lot on YouTube just to kind of see images of her. Um, I mean, this book, this book is about psychology. It's about climate change. It's about interstellar travel. It's about alien life, politics, parenting, education. Mm. Um, it really covers kind of every single important modern topic that I can think of, but in a, in a really small package, and it really focuses on the characters. Um, I've never read anything by him before. I'm definitely going to read more. I absolutely love this book. It is truly heartbreaking. This book is not for everybody, mm. but I, I loved it. I'm, this is one of the only novels I've read in the past 10 years where I, where I said, when I finish it, I'm going to read this again one day. I don't reread novels very often, but this one I will. Yeah, we could do a whole show on when mm. to and not to reread books, but yeah. another show. <laughs> Lore. Okay, so American Christmas Stories. We're going to go to happier things here, this right? This is happy. <laughs> well, I mean, it, I mean, it's happy in general. Uh, the American, uh, the Library of America collection. So when I was a, a child, I had a, a book that had a bunch of different Christmas stories in it. And, and you've probably heard me say this before. And I loved it. And I would pick it up and I would read them. And, you know, sometimes I'd read a couple. And every year I couldn't wait to bring that, that book out. And, and then um, several years ago, my brother gave me, he couldn't find something like it, but he gave me a bunch of Christmas books and he tied them up and he gave them to me as a Christmas present. So last year, Penguin came out with their collection. This year, the Library of America has their collection. And so it's the kind of book that you can sit down, you can read one story, you can read several, you could just, you know, you know, get under a blanket and a cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and, and read a whole bunch. So this ranges from the Civil War through today. There are ghost stories, there is science fiction, there's um, comedy in there, there's fantasy, there's westerns. It's from New York to Texas to space. Um, but there's 59 different stories in here. And, you know, I read a, a really short one recently, which was a Mark Twain one. And he writes on Christmas Day to his two young daughters as Santa. And he says, you know, I loved when you sent me your letter that didn't have, you know, proper characters, but just had pictures because I could really understand that. But then there was also one that you dictated to your mom. And I didn't really understand it. And so, you, you, you know, you get the Mark Twain humor but you get like the seriousness of the of the what he's trying to tell his kids, and he's like, "Did you want this? Go in your room today, and you know, talk. I'm, you know, Santa's gonna come to the front door, but no one can see. Make sure everybody has their eyes closed, and tell me what you want. I mean, it's and it's really special, and you can, you know, feel the voice. So you know, that kind of thing just, you know, brings a smile to my face to to you know, read them. So it's a family. You know, book. Yeah. And it's you know, we someone... get we get a lot of people who come in the store, as you well know, who are looking for a book like that because historically some people have the family tradition mm -hmm. that they read a story. But now with Zoom, 
one of the things that I've been hearing people talk about, so you you now think about getting together with family that you never traveled to, but you now realize you could get together. And some of them are doing book clubs together. Right. Some are reading sure. pieces like this. So mm -hmm. it sounds like, and they're long and short ones. They're long that, and short right? ones. Yeah. The Mark Twain was three pages, you know, and then the one right before that was Louisa May Alcott, which was longer but beautiful. You know, so it's what you would expect. And again, you can read a couple or want to pick some to read, you know, as a story time. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, so I want to talk about, um, I thought I had it, but I don't think I do. Um, it's called Pajama Pilates. And here's what I like about right that. Ahead. I like, oh, okay. Um, I like books that um, give me an excuse not to really work out a lot, <laughs> but with something that I can do that feels doable. So this one, uh, this book literally lets you start in bed. <laughs> uh, with some exercises, and then it has you do some exercises that you can do while water is boiling, or so I figure. Like here, you're standing at a table and doing a back leg lift. So I find by using this book, I mean literally using this book, because it has practical little things. I can do five exercises to take a minute and do them over the day, and say I exercised all day. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm going to highly recommend <laughs> that uh, for the lazy person in your life, or maybe the one who exercises too much that needs to slow down, that you get them this little book called Pajama Pilates. <laughs> Andrew? All right. Um, I am going to talk about the funniest book of the year. Ooh. It is called Your Guide to Not Getting Murdered in a Quaint English Village. Have you seen this book yet, I, I I'm in love with this book. Okay, good. Good. So it is it is illustrated. Um, it's got really nice um, black and white and red illustrations throughout. What it is is kind of a parody of English mysteries. Now, cozy English mysteries. If you don't read them, that's okay. I'm sure you've seen one on TV. If you've ever seen anything to do with Agatha Christie, this will make a lot of sense. Um, this is one of those books that when it arrived in the store, all the booksellers loved it. We all kind of looked at each other and said, why didn't we write this book? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, it is, it is great for mystery lovers. They will really love it. Um, but anybody who, who likes smart literary jokes is going to appreciate this. And book. it's a beautiful book. It is. It's really, it, it's a lot more attractive than, than you'd think. Um, it's broken down into like people and places, family members, places inside the house, I'll read to you about what they say about the, the village church. A village has to have a church. Those are the rules. For hundreds of years, the village church has been the center of village life and death, with emphasis on the last one. It is the biggest, grandest, highest building around. It has fonts to drown in, vaults to be sealed in, a bell tower to fall from, and an altar to be sacrificed on. The vicar will find your body if you venture here. <laughs> then we'll skip ahead and read about the vicar. See also the village church. When you see the vicar, run. If you are not dead yet, the vicar is obliged to kill you. <laughs> so, you know, you get, you get all the stereotypes from these books and stories that we've all seen in one format or another. Um, it's super smart. It's super funny. And I think anybody who appreciates mysteries in any way is really going to like this. So speaking of churches, last night, uh, Kevin and I were walking to dinner in, in New Haven, 
and he wanted, he had stopped in on his parents' anniversary, which would have been 80 years ago, um, because the church that they were married in is around the corner from where we live, called St. Joseph. We, so we were on our way to dinner, and Kevin said, you've got, you've just got it. This is one of the most beautiful churches. This little church in the middle of the block on Edwards Street looks like a baby cathedral inside. Mm -hmm. It is intact and beautiful, and I don't know that this woman was the vicar, <laughs> uh, but there was a woman there, like, doing something in the church, and Kevin and I just, like, poked in and then walked back out, and she followed us outside, and she said, you know, you're more than welcome to stay um, if you like. And I said, no, thank you, you know, we're on our way to dinner and whatever, but I was thinking about, so this was 80 years ago that Kev's parents would have gotten married in this church, and I was reminded of how that would have been such a center of life for not only Kev's parents and each of them and their families, and it was just one of how many churches in the city of New Haven that life revolved around. I wonder if there are more churches or less churches in New Haven now. Hmm. I don't that. know. So we could we could do that research when we talk about rereading books. We'll add that. <laughs> Lore. Um, okay, so I'm gonna I'd put my glass on because this one is a little harder to describe. And I had added it to my list. It wasn't originally on my list, but I was up at our you know Wesleyan R J Julia bookstore, and I was walking, and I literally stopped as we often do. You know, we were talking earlier about how you might become immune to wanting more books when you work in a bookstore and no, no. It's exactly the opposite <laughs> right. um and literally the cover you know stopped me so this is um, bibliophile diverse spines and the the cover of this is really interesting because how many of us have you know book piles like this i mean we all do that we work do here you know i have them on my desk i have them at home i have them they're behind us <laughs> everywhere we go um and so i stopped i wanted to know what it was about and you know this is two women actually, who love books, thought it was important to put together all of these lists about diverse books that you can, you know, even just by the spine or just by the author or just by what it's about, you know, read them. And so it's broken down into different categories. So classics, um, turn of century fiction, you've got beloved bookstores, you've got... It's a cute book. Covers. It really is. And so and there's lots of... On each... Um, area that it's broken down, there's a number of different titles in there and why they want you to look at them and read them. And there are some titles that are in different sections, you know, multiple sections, and there are some that are, you know, one-off. But one of the things I love in, in the front is that they say reading, reading diverse stories exposes us to other people's experiences and expands our awareness of other cultures, which we know. Um, if you live in the protagonist's view, that's in a pregnancy that's different from your own, you can really, you know, develop more empathy for what other people go through. And so I just, you know, I, it got me looking at these, it got me putting things on my list. And so this is for your, your reader, really a big reader, yeah. you know, someone who wants to expand, maybe they want to try something new. I mean, not only is it a really pretty book, but it has really great suggestions in here, broken down by different characters. There's kids' books in here. There's adult books in here. Um, there's a lot of titles in here that are some of my favorites, and you know, I was pretty excited that I could check those off my list. But you know, bibliophile diverse spines, pretty interesting okay. book. 
So two things as a follow-up to that. One is in 32 years of being a bookseller at R.J. Joya's, I've learned you, you can't judge a person by how they look, but you can judge a book by its cover. Yes. I hate to say that, but you somehow, I think about, I mean, Andrew and Kelly, who do the merchandising here at the store, I mean, they arrange the store in a way that I go in and out of it, and I buy books, <laughs> you know. Uh, we'll be right back with our holiday book show right after a word from our sponsor. So this is a book called How I Became a Tree by Sumana Roy. Now, I am... I, I, I feel like on this uh, podcast, all I'm doing is talking about what I'm not. Um, and this is another what I'm not, which is I'm not a big nature person. I'd rather be inside um, reading and not going outside and playing sports. But Sumana Roy wrote this book um, about how I became a tree. And it's called A Love Song to Plants and Trees. But that's not what really drew me to this. It's that she wrote this, she said, because she was tired of speed and I wanted to live tree time. And the way in which she writes, not only do you become immersed in her writing because it's so beautiful, but it makes you think about how you look at the world and how you want to live in the world and the jacket would make me want to pick mm -hmm. this up it's it's got uh, a heart and sort of branches and trees growing out of her heart and it's she's just a really gifted writer and to your point Lori that you know not only have studies really shown that people who read fiction are more empathetic that you really do begin to take on a compassion and understanding of what other lives are. And what she does, I mean, this is obviously not fiction, but she does sort of change the kaleidoscope of how you're going to look at what's going on around you and in a way that, you know, makes you more reflective about how you want to go through the day. So mm -hmm. it's How I Became a Tree. Now, totally at odds with that is a book called The Damage, a novel by Caitlin War. W-A-H-R-E-R, warrer, I think. Anyway, the, I if I read mystery, I like psychological mystery. So this is a story of a man whose brother is uh, violently uh, assaulted, and his brother is very protective. His wife's protective of her husband. And really what it becomes about is how willing and able are we to do bad, ugly things all in the guise of being protective of someone in our family? You know, that you you don't know what you're capable of or not. And this was, a, you know, for a lot of times this time of year, people want a book that you just like zip through. You just want to be totally distracted and engaged. The damage will do that for you. Okay, Andrew. All right, so um, Fun City Cinema, New York City, and the movies that made it. 
So most people don't realize, but New York and New Jersey is really the birthplace of American cinema. Long before Hollywood, they were making the most important movies in the country in New York City. Um, it has stayed that way. Um, this movie, uh, this book, focuses on 10 films in particular, but it really covers everything you could imagine. The first one they, they cover in detail is The Jazz Singer in 1927, all the way up to movies that are just 10 years old. Um, it's got tons of photography, tons of New York City history in it. This is the best movie book of the year by far, I think. Um, and you get all this. It's this really impressive book. It's only $40. I expected it to be a lot more than this. It's I'm going to buy it right now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Thank Should I talk you. about one more? Yeah, do okay. one more. So my last one is The Lord of the Rings. Now... It says on here, Roxanne, that there's two people in the world. There's people who have read Lord of the Rings and people who have not read it yet. Okay, I'm one of the ones. Okay. This is all about not. Well, this <laughs> is this is one of the ten most important books written in the 20th century. Um, and this is the version that the fans have been waiting for. Now, um, this has the corrected text that he and his son did along with some editors, it has all of the original Tolkien illustrations. That's what people are really interested in. I'm going to buy this book, too. Well, you should. <laughs> so they all of all of Tolkien's illustrations were in New York City um, a couple of years ago. It was like a sold-out exhibit. Um, this has got the Elvish script on the side. It's a gorgeous package. Ribbon marker. This is what Lord of the Rings fans want this year for Christmas. All right. I'm going to buy that book, too. Yes. Lore. All right, my last two. So I've always been fascinated with magic. I don't understand how it happens, and I, I, I know it's illusions, and it just I'm always like, how did they do that? So David Copperfield's history of magic is um, not just a history of him, but also other illusionists and magicians through the years, how a lot of them actually used magic to escape class and you know financial difficulties to get ahead and, and make hmm. something of themselves. So it, they don't give away a lot of secrets, although it, it makes it seem like they're going to. And if they did, I still don't get it. So maybe it's in there, and I just didn't understand that that was actually the secret to how something was done. But it breaks it down by person, then also breaks it down by um, some of the different magic acts you see, like you know sawing a person in half or someone disappearing in you know out of a box or like the rabbit. They talk about the origination of pulling a rabbit out of the hat. And so it actually describes all of that and the people that initiated that and then goes along to how David Copperfield started and what he was fascinated with as a child and just kept practicing and practicing and practicing, you know, up to him becoming one of the most famous magicians in the world. So pretty interesting. I'm going to buy that too. <laughs> <laughs> and then I will end with Baking with Dory. So Dory Greenspan you know, is someone who can make you feel brilliant in the kitchen, mm -hmm. even if you don't like to cook. Um, and these, this is, I mean, there's so many different kinds of things that she bakes in here, but I'm always on the hunt for the best chocolate chip cookie recipe because chocolate chip cookies are my number one favorite thing. I would have that for dessert over anything else ever. And um, there's a few things. She gives pointers in here on chocolate chip cookies. And then she also breaks it down to, you could do the classic, there are things that you can add in, you can have the one break apart chipper. And she talks about her um, world peace cookie, which is not an actual chocolate chip cookie, but it was based on the chocolate chip cookie. 
and what she's done with it. And we just did an event with her too, you know, for this book. And I mean, talk about magic, baking with Dory's just magic. Yeah, my goal is to learn how to make the brioche. Brioche is my idea of dessert. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That that that's what that's... I would go. And I interviewed her for the podcast, and one of the things that was a fun conversation we had is about the difference between cooking and baking. Oh, yeah. And Very one different. being more meditative and more present than the other. You'll have to listen mm. to the podcast. Um, so while we're on cooking. Um, I want to talk about Claudia, uh, Claudia Roden's Mediterranean, uh, mm. and the subtitle is Treasured Recipes from a Lifetime of Travel. Claudia was born in Egypt, went to school in Paris, and her, for one, I love Mediterranean food, but I love, I love, um, I read more than I cook, and this is a book to both relish reading about traveling. There's plenty of things that I want to make that are easy and difficult. The photography is absolutely gorgeous. Like there's a vegetable couscous recipe that is easy, easy, easy to make. And then there are these just gorgeous. I mean, the mushrooms look gorgeous in here. I, I could just look at um, those pages. So I'd mention that. And the um, last book I'll mention is the Supreme Court is very in the news, um, and there's a new book out called Justice on the Brink by Linda Greenhouse, um, who's a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist who only writes about the Supreme Court, and this is uh, a great book for anybody interested in um, the law in recent decisions around uh, hot-button topics like abortion, uh, gun rights. Um, and what, what Linda does is explain the history. So you read about the cases in a, a slightly different way. I mean, we can have a visceral reaction to things that we agree and disagree with the outcomes, but this helps you understand well, what's the law behind um, all of that? And then, oh, the other book I want to make sure uh, that I mention is, and I think this was on the New York Times top fiction books. It's called What Strange Paradise by Omar El Akkad. And he had been our book club pick earlier this year. And it talks about immigration and it starts with, think about the idea that we saw, I, it was probably five or six years ago, of that little boy who was found dead on a beach who was uh, a Syrian refugee. And what uh, Omar does brilliantly is he tells the story, what could be that story, through two young people, a nine-year-old who's washed up on the beach and a 15-year-old who lives on the island and decides to help him. So it's an entirely different way about reading about immigration. And Omar is just a really gifted um, writer. So it's good for somebody who's interested in immigration, just beautifully uh, written fiction, or the person who wants to read all 10 books that the New York Times uh, comes up with as their best list. So what I'm, we've obviously gone through a lot of books quickly. Um, but I think we've come up with 
something for everybody to read. And, uh, you know, here, here's what I hope, what, I, what we always say at RJ Julia's is there's no happier time in the store uh, than at Christmas. And part of that is it's busy and bustling and people are together as families and bring um, their, their kids in. And I say this, and it sounds probably more dramatic um, than it ought to be, but we have learned in all these decades at R.J. Julia's that books can change life, right? That it's mm-hmm. there is something to the right book in the right hand, and the ability of our booksellers to listen to a customer and think about what's the right book for them is, you know, what makes sort of the tougher part of being a bookseller uh, worth it. So hopefully Andrew, Lori, and I have given you all lots of good ideas. One last uh, request before I close by uh, wishing everyone happy holidays um, and to stay healthy and have time with family and friends is um, if you are going to buy these books, please buy them from an independent bookstore. Don't uh, go online and buy it from um, that gorilla in the internet space, independent booksellers are there for their communities year-round, and they would love to see you. Most of them you could buy from uh, remotely. So with that, um, I just to, happy to wish you all happy holidays and happy reading. Andrew and Lori, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, we've been joined in our show on holiday books by Lori Fazio and Andrew Brennan, both of whom are with RJ Julia Booksellers. You've been listening to Just the Right Book with Roxanne Cody, brought to you by Lit Hub Radio. Produced by Roxanne Cody, Michael Selleck, Johnny Diamond, and Lit Hub Radio. Our editor is Justin Alvarez. The original theme music is by Kurt Feldman. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Roxanne Cody, and thank you so much for listening.